Well, good morning to each one. I, too, want to greet you in Jesus' name. Good to see each one of you here. God has certainly given us a beautiful day to worship him. I want to invite the, uh, welcome the visitors. We're glad you're here and invite you to join in and worship with us today. Today we will continue in the study of the fruit of the Spirit. We are ready for the fifth fruit, which is kindness. Several Sundays ago, we looked at the fruit long-suffering or patience, and after previously studying the beautiful heavenly fruit of love, joy, and peace, patience brought us back down to earth. Kindness, it too has an earthly ring, but much more tender than patience. Think about it. Which would you rather have shown to you, patience or kindness? You see, patience is controlled wrath, slow to anger. And just because someone is patient in a given situation doesn't mean that others can't feel those controlled emotions. 1 Corinthians 13.4, the love chapter, says, Love suffers long and is kind. And so the fruit of kindness is divinely placed right after the fruit of long-suffering or patience. And so the two are there together. And as I said before, you have the nine fruit of the Spirit are divided into three groups. You have love, joy, and peace, which have are very much um, connected with our relationship with God. And then you have these middle three fruit that are very much connected with relationships. And then the last three are more personal. And so this fruit, kindness, is right in there with patience and those middle three fruit. For the message today, I invite you to 2 Samuel chapter 9. Today we will be looking at an, an experience in the life of King David. In this account here in 2 Samuel 9, we will see two examples of kindness. The first example is simply what the fruit of the Spirit kindness looks like in action. The second example will be a reminder of the kindness of God. And so let us read. Now David said, Is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. So when they had called him to David, the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, At your service. Then the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. And then in verse 4 and 5, David asked, he said, Where is this son? And as you can see, Ziba gives him the location and the house where this young man 
may be found, can be found. Now, verse 6, Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. Then David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Here is your servant. So David said to him, Do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. Then he bowed himself and said, What is your servant, that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? And the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given to your master's son all that belongeth to Saul and to all his house. You therefore and your sons and your servants shall work the land for him, and you shall bring in the harvest, that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, according to all that my lord the king has commanded his servant, so will your servants do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was uh, Micah, and all who dwell in the house of Ziba were servants of Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he ate continually at the king's table, and he was lame in both his feet. And so in this passage, David is the reigning king of Israel. The previous king Saul and his son Jonathan had died in the war with the Philistines. The focus here is Mephibosheth, Jonathan's now orphan son. He was crippled or lame in both feet. If you go back to chapter 4 of 2 Samuel, we read that when Mephibosheth was five years old, when the news of Saul and Jonathan's death came, uh, the nurse or the lady that was taking care of him, when she got that news that Saul and Jonathan were killed, she took up little Mephibosheth and she ran. Well, why did she run with little Mephibosheth? Well, it was simply because technically he was now the king, you see. But uh, as you know, God had other plans. He had David next in line. But technically, she was holding the next king. And so, because of fear, she ran with this child, and she fell, and he was crippled. And so the question in verse 1, is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? As you know, the friendship between Jonathan and David is legendary. When the subject of friendship comes up, when it's on the floor, the friendship of Jonathan and David will be mentioned. It's just too good. You've got to talk about it. And you think about the friendship of Jonathan and David, and then you think of the relationship of Saul and David. I mean, that's two extremes. But David and Jonathan both knew that Saul was determined to kill David if he could. But yet at the same time, they also knew that David had been anointed to be king in Saul's place. 
eventually. And so as the story of their friendship unfolds, Jonathan eventually asked David to swear lifelong loyalty to him and his family, no matter what would happen. And if you're there in Samuel, 2 Samuel, just turn back to 1 Samuel 20. Let me just show you just a brief little clip here of this friendship between Jonathan and David. And I think it'll help us to understand this uh, passage we are looking at this morning. So Jonathan and David are having this discussion. And we'll break in at verse 14 of 1 Samuel 20. And you shall not only show me kindness of the Lord while I still live, that I may not die, but you shall not cut off your kindness from my house forever. No, not when the Lord has cut off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, Let the Lord require it all at the hand of David's enemies. Now Jonathan again calls David to vow because he loved him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. So now, years later, Jonathan has been killed in battle. David is the king of Israel, just like they knew would eventually happen. And he remembers that promise to Jonathan and the very terms in which it had been made. And so in verse 3 of the account we're looking at, David asks again, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba said, Yes, there is. There is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. David, I believe, is remembering his covenant with Jonathan I believe he's remembering and he's acting on it. Yet I believe there is more to be learned in regards to his showing kindness here. In a nutshell, what is kindness? What is kindness? Kindness is being thoughtful of others more than for myself in any particular situation. Kindness is going the extra mile. Kindness is grace put into action. To be kind means to want to help others, to encourage or comfort them, to do something that serves or benefits them. We're not talking about being nice this morning. We are talking about being kind, and there is a difference. When David asked, is there someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show kindness, what was he thinking? And what did he imagine this kindness that he wanted to express or give? What did David imagine that looking like? Was he thinking about taking a crippled young man into his house, into his home for life? I seriously doubt it. He was probably thinking about sharing wealth, money, property, security. You see, showing kindness means being willing to do something or take action. 
that helps somebody else even if it might be inconvenient to myself. Kindness goes beyond duty. It means doing something you don't have to do, but just choose to do. And so the answer to David's question is yes. There is someone. There is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. David said, go get him. Find him. Bring him here. And so they did. They brought him to the palace. And we see Mephibosheth's response. He came in. He fell down before the king. David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, here is your servant. David said, do not fear. You know, fear would have been a natural response to getting called in by the king, especially if you were a family member of the previous kingdom. You know, back in those days, it was important to clean up the previous kingdom, okay? So if you're the new king, you want to make sure the previous family has been done away with because that could be a problem down the road. David said, do not fear. Do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather. And that is not all. That is not all. You shall eat bread at my table continually. Did you notice how many times that statement is reinforced in this passage? Look with me. Verse 7. You shall eat bread at my table continually. Verse 10. Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always. Verse 11, he shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. So Mephibosheth, verse 13, dwelt in Jerusalem for he ate continually at the king's table. Did you get it? You see, the fruit of the spirit is kindness. It is love and action. When we do actions that are kind, we not only imitate God, we are actually doing such things to God. I like the verse in Micah 6, verse 8. For he has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly? To love mercy. And that word mercy comes from the same Hebrew word that is translated kindness. To love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Now we will leave Mephibosheth for a few minutes. Mephibosheth, as we have heard, is happily eating at the king's table. So... We're going to let him do that for a little, but we're going to come back to him after a bit. But let's go back to David's question in verse 3. The question is, is there not still someone of the house of Israel 
to whom I may show the kindness of God. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? The kindness of God. Not just show kindness, not just to be nice to, but show the kindness of God. The Hebrew Old Testament word translated here as kindness is a word so rich and full of meaning that it gets translated in many ways throughout the Old Testament. This Hebrew word is spelled C-H-E-C-E-D. And I went online and I had my computer say that to me in Hebrew. And it don't sound anything like we would try to say it in English, so I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. But it's spelled C-H-E-C-E-D. Many times that word in the Old Testament is translated mercy. At times it's translated as love, with an emphasis on faithfulness or faithful love. Yet often it's translated like it is here in 2 Samuel 9, it is translated kindness, like we find it here in verse 3, or many times loving kindness. This word has that active sense of doing something for another person. In other words, when God acts in kindness, it means God is being faithful to his covenant promises. When God acts in kindness, it means God is paying careful attention to our needs. When God acts in kindness, it means God is acting in generous and merciful love. When God acts in kindness, it means God is generously providing everything for our blessing and benefit. Folks, this is the kindness of God. And so, in the Old Testament, it was taught and it was believed and expressed here by King David that kindness was part of the character of God and should also, therefore, be part of the character of his people, showing the kindness of God. I'd like to look at two Old Testament passages briefly to just show us just just a little bit of this kindness of God. Let's go to the words of, uh, of the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah 9, I'd like to read 23 and 24. We're thinking about the kindness of God. What was David talking about? Well, we talked about it some, but let's look at this scripture here. Jeremiah 9, 23, and 24. And listen what it says. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory in his riches. Verse 24. But let him who glories, glories, glory in this that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, 
exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. Did you see that? Exercising loving kindness. The Lord says, I delight in that. That's who I am. And I want you to know that. And I want you to know that about me. If you want something to glory in, here it is, my loving kindness. Turn over to Psalm 36, 5 through 7. Psalm 36, verse 5. Your mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the great mountains. Your judgments are a great deep, O Lord. You preserve man and beast. Verse 7. How precious is your loving kindness, O God. Therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings. Folks, this is the kindness of God. Mentioned over and over in the Old Testament. If you want an interesting Bible study, study the Hebrew word spelled C-H-E-C-E-D. It is used well over 200 times in the Old Testament. Sometimes it's translated mercy or love or faithful love. Many times it's kindness or loving kindness. I want to give you just one example of that yet, and then we'll move on. But the last verse of Psalm 23, verse 6, one of the most familiar passages in the Bible. It says, surely goodness and mercy. And that word mercy is the same word as the word comes from the same Hebrew word as the word kindness here in 2 Samuel, verse, uh, 2 Samuel 9, where David said, is there someone to whom I can show the kindness of God? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Again, what a beautiful example of the kindness of God. God as a good shepherd who treats his sheep with kindness, protecting them, providing for them, committed to caring for his sheep, even at his own cost. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Why? Because the very nature of God, the very nature of God and of God himself, is goodness and kindness. In the good times of life, in the not so good times of life, the goodness and the kindness of God shall follow me. That is the promise. And so we have reflected on human kindness. We have reflected on the fruit of the spirit kindness. We've seen that in David. And we have reflected briefly on the kindness of God. And in a few minutes, we'll, we will be reflecting 
on the suffering and death of our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. But before we do so, I have another thought I would like for us to consider. And that thought is how the relationship between David and Mephibosheth, how that relationship is a beautiful picture of the relationship between God and us. Think with me. Like Mephibosheth, we were born into a fallen dynasty or a fallen world. Like Mephibosheth, we were by lineage under the sentence of exile and death. Like Mephibosheth, we were helpless. We could do nothing to save ourselves from our predicament. And the fact that Mephibosheth was lame in both feet adds to the picture of fallen man. It adds to the picture of helplessness. Even Mephibosheth's name adds to the picture here. His name means shameful speech from my mouth. I invite you to Ephesians chapter 2. I'd like to read this chapter at this time. And as I read, I would like for you to think about the similarities between our story and Mephibosheth's story. Ephesians 2, verse 1. We'll begin with our story. And you... He made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. That's a helpless picture, is it not? And it sounds similar to something we just read. Would you agree? You know, David said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And we know the answer. The answer was, yes, there is the son of Jonathan. And so in grace and kindness, David sent for this lost son. He was sought after, he was found, and he was brought into the kingdom. Listen to our story in verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive with Christ, by grace you have been saved. That's our story. Now Mephibosheth, he was brought into the royal kingdom. Kindness and mercy is shown to him. He's even treated, he's even treated as one of the king's sons. He's brought into the palace as a member of his own household. He is given 
a special place at the king's table. Let's continue with our story in verse 6. And raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace, notice, in his kindness. Have we talked about kindness this morning? Here it is again in our story. In his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The kindness of God shown to Mephibosheth by King David changed his life forever. He now is sitting continually at the king's table. Our story, the kindness of God towards us in Christ Jesus, has changed our lives forever. We, too, sit at the king's table, partaking of the bread of life. Now, in the following verses, you will see how our story is superior to Mephibosheth's story simply because Christ is far greater than David. So let's keep reading. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles of the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope without God in the world. That sounds similar, doesn't it, to Mephibosheth's story. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of the Christ. I'm sorry, I'll read that again. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Having abolished in his death the enmity that is, the law of the commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, therefore putting death to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and to those who were near. For through him we have both access by one spirit to the Father. And you think of Mephibosheth. You know, all the land of his grandfather Saul was restored to him. He had access to the king's table, and so do we in Jesus Christ. For through him we have both access by one spirit to the Father. Notice 19. Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household 
of God. Amen. I told you that the rest of this chapter is so much more superior than that of Mephibosheth's story. David could undergo so far as a human. Having been built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. You know, there are many more comparisons that could be made between our story and Mephibosheth's story. Some have come up with quite a list of the similarities, and you probably have thought of some more that I didn't mention. But the fact is, all these similarities, all these comparisons or types, whatever you want to call them, they all point back to one word, and that word is kindness. Or maybe we should say they all point back to four words, the kindness of God. Titus 3, 3 through 7 says, For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior appeared, let me read it, start over, but when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior toward men appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. That having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That's our story right there. And so today, there are two things I would like for you to take from this message. The first thing is simply, in a few minutes, we will be remembering the suffering and death of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And as you do so today, I would like for you to take a moment and reflect on the kindness of God shown to you through Jesus Christ our Lord. The second thing I'd like for you to take from this message, as you leave this place, as you go from here today, cultivate kindness in your life. Live each day with the attitude, is there someone today to whom I can show the kindness of God? It's been said, the end result of kindness is that it draws people to you. Well, we would agree that is true. But I think we can say today with far greater conviction and for a far better reason, the end result of kindness is that it 
draws people to Christ. And so, dear people, freely ye have received, freely give. God bless you. Jesus.